Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Dr. Bo Bruce. So in the lectionary for the morning prayer this morning, we read a gospel passage about the visitation of the Magi. And that passage is the gospel reading for the Mass of Epiphany, which we celebrated yesterday. And so I'm going to talk about that passage as well as the one we just read about Jesus being found in the temple. So we read yesterday's gospel reading for the Feast of Epiphany, in which we celebrate the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles. And as far as I know, that means all of us. Before the first advent of Christ, it's very unlikely that any of us would have participated directly in the biblical story of salvation. We're not blood descendants of Abraham, nor did our forefathers and foremothers at some point convert to Judaism. We're all Gentiles, all pagans. And even if there is someone out there listening to this who is a Jewish convert to Christianity, there's one thing we all share, and that is none of us was born a Christian. can only be reborn a Christian through the regenerative waters of baptism. But that's another topic to be covered in the next few weeks during the season of Epiphany, so let's save that for then. So back to today's story. Thus, for most of us, Epiphany represents a big beginning for us, perhaps as big or bigger than even Christmas. And it's certainly celebrated that way in many places today. And in fact, it appears that historically, this feast predated that of the Nativity, which appears to have been focused initially in the East on both the birth of Christ and his baptism. Later, the wedding of Cana became associated with the season of Epiphany, And in the West, the focus was ultimately more upon today's story, the visit of the Magi. The story is a considerable indictment of the Jewish establishment. Here we have Herod, the king of the Jews, being asked, hey, where's your new king? It's little wonder this troubled Herod in all of Jerusalem. As we see, the Jews understood their prophecies perfectly. Where was Christ to be born? No problem, they know exactly where. In Bethlehem of Judea, based on the passage we read a few weeks ago, from the prophet Micah, chapter 5. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And so from everything else we know about the scribes and Pharisees and priests of Jesus' era, they were very learned. They knew each and every one of the hundreds of commandments found in the Torah, and they tried to follow every one of them, at least publicly, to a T. And they wanted everybody to know it. They knew it all, and yet they were missing something. Here, three pagan astrologers showed up out of nowhere and were schooling them. The Gentiles recognized the signs of the coming Messiah before the Jewish leadership did. Indeed, St. John Chrysostom says that the star had been hidden from the Magi, so that on finding themselves without their guide, they would have no alternative but to consult with the Jews. And in this way, the birth of Jesus would be made known to all. That's to say, God ordained that the Gentiles would inform the Jews of their own king, despite all the revelation the Jewish people had been given by God himself. Yet they did not, and nor do we as Christians have the corner market on everything there is to know about God in Christ Jesus. God is imprinted on our world and impossible to miss. After all, he created it, and all its goodness reflects him. Unfortunately, in our modern world, we are so separated from the natural cycles and our postmodern world has robbed the wonder we have from simple things. 
Discussing paganism, G.K. Chesterton said, the pagans were not satisfied with realism because they never quite lost the sense of something more real than realism. They were not content to call a spade a spade because it was almost always a sacred spade, not only when it dug the graves of the dead, but even when it dug the garden to grow fruit for the living. They were aware of God's hand and presence all around them, who are everywhere present and fill us all things. As Orthodox Christians, we seek to show everyone that presence, and we remind people of the extraordinary nature of all ordinary things when we bless them. Epiphany is also a season of blessings, blessings of water, chalk, of homes. To be an Orthodox Christian, you must be seeking to see beyond the spade and see a sacred spade, because indeed it is. And if we're simply honest seekers as the Magi were, we will find Christ. Tolkien said the Gospels contain a fairy story, or a story of a larger kind which embraces all the essence of fairy stories. They contain many marvels, peculiarly artistic, beautiful, and moving, mythical, and their near-perfect self-contained significance. This story has entered history and the primary world. And his friend C.S. Lewis would write that the heart of Christianity is a myth, which is also a fact. What Tolkien and Lewis are saying is that all the pagan myths have a kernel of truth in them. Rebirth narratives, deities, etc. All of them are realized in the reality of Christianity. Even though the Gentiles did not receive the measure of revelation that the Jews had, it turned out in this case they were making better use of what they had received. They paid attention and they found God. And yet, even the full revelation to the Jews paled in comparison to that which even the angels longed to look into. No one without God's help could comprehend the shockingly good news that God cared for us so much that he sent his only son to save us and make us his sons by grace, even though we had been treating him so despicably. God loved us so much, he was willing to do anything to save us. Any of us Jew or Gentile who is seeking the truth can find it, much like the Ethiopian eunuch. You remember the story, there was the Ethiopian, a eunuch, and a court official of the Ethiopian queen, who was in charge of all of her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. And he was sitting in his chariot reading Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over to him. And Philip heard him reading Isaiah. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Philip asked the eunuch, Do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus we were just talking about. And the, and the eunuch was baptized when they saw water. And they came up out of the water, and the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. Or like the Athenians, who heard Paul proclaim the gospel by proclaiming to them that the unknown God was the creator of the universe and father of Jesus, who had been raised for the dead for them. Yeah, of course, some began to mock him, but others said, we want to hear more about this topic from you. When we listen to the quiet voice of the universe around us, we cannot help to see God's hand in it. And we know that all creation rejoices at the coming Messiah. If we listen, we cannot but hear it. As, as Chesterton said, pagans were wiser than paganism. That's why the pagans became Christians. And for all of us, thank God they did. 
Before we close today, I want to turn to the main reading for today. And it serves as a nice compliment to all this talk about the Gentiles. Because today is called the Feast of the Holy Family. And thus, I want to focus on two Jews who believed and were faithful to God and brought about the salvation of the world through their quiet obedience. They weren't found in the court of Herod. They were not surrounded by extravagance. Not at all. They were extremely poor. We know this from the Bible because they brought Jesus to the t- when they brought Jesus to the temple, they offered the sacrifice of two turtle doves instead of a lamb. They couldn't afford the lamb, and the Torah allowed uh, families who were poor to offer two turtle doves instead. There's little else we know about Mary and Joseph from the pages of the New Testament. That isn't because they are not pivotal to our salvation. Joseph and Joseph took Mary as his, as his wife, despite her being found to be pregnant. In the ancient world, if he had quietly divorced her, as he considered doing, Mary would very likely have been unable to provide for herself, would have been an outcast, and with her new child, and it, would, it is very likely they wouldn't have survived that arduous journey to Egypt. Joseph, though, listened quietly to that angel in his dreams, trusting God, and helped to bring about our salvation. Mary also trusted God, assenting to be the mother of Jesus. Her do it unto me according to your will shows that she also put God first. And by doing so, she reversed the curse of Eve for all generations to come. Twelve quiet years will pass between those infancy stories and the one we hear today. And then another 18 will pass before we hear about Jesus' baptism and first miracles. There are a lot of ordinary days in there, feeding the baby, changing dirty diapers, working together, playing together, dining together. Jesus helping Joseph in the woodshop. Much like the spade is a sacred spade. That seemingly ordinary time is sacred time in Jesus' home. To me, that's beautiful and life-giving, and it reminds me, and I hope all of you, that even Jesus' life here on earth was relatively ordinary, punctuated only rarely by the extraordinary. So that gives me hope for more extraordinary moments as we continue with all these ordinary days. However, it also reminds me that the ordinary prepares us for the extraordinary. In all those ordinary years, the gospel passage reminds us that Joseph, Mary, and Jesus were being faithful Jews by going to Jerusalem every Passover. That faithfulness would have extended to every aspect of their lives. The commandments and laws of Judaism permeated every part of their daily life. So much that Jesus would later remind the Pharisees that they made the law a burden that people can hardly carry. We do not want or need God's presence in our life to be burdensome. However, we should find a way to make sure that we are mindful of God each and every day in our lives. This is particularly relevant in our overwhelmingly secular society that hardly seems to even acknowledge that God is there. Ritual is the ordinary of the ordinary, but rituals prepare us for the extraordinary. They train us like athletes, as Paul tells us, and this is a race we want to train to win. If we do not train a little every day, we will not be able to compete in an ordinary 5K, much less an extraordinary marathon. And since it's a good time for New Year's resolutions too, let's make a little resolution to do something somehow to be more mindful of God's presence in the ordinary this year. Don't try to do too much. Pick something simple and then do it. And when you fail, and you will, don't beat yourself up over it. Just start again. Maybe it could be daily morning or evening prayer, daily scripture reading following the abstinence from meat on Fridays prescribed by our fast, saying grace at at meals, something you're not doing now that you'd like to do better. Whatever that ritual, 
Remember that in that ordinary, regular experience, you're training yourself to be able to experience and even participate more fully in the extraordinary, in the very divine life that Jesus calls us to today, to that divine life that Jesus brought us back to share in through his epiphany that we celebrate today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.